Welcome back to the free game interview series. Um, extremely excited to talk with my brother, uh, close friend, State Representative Cam Buckner. Uh, before anything else, I want to thank him for taking time to, to speak with us. You know, especially now, you know, there's so many things, so many places in, 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 that you need to be at. And, you know, I see you constantly uplifting the people and the citizens of, of Chicago. Um, and, and, you know, the fact that you take time to, to still talk with me and, and work with me, I, I, I'm telling you, dude, I, I look at you on a daily basis and I, I'm proud beyond words can explain. Um, and I think that your story, the reason for me starting the Brantley Method is to, to motivate, educate, and inspire. And I think that your story does all three um, across many different, I mean, we could literally talk about just one aspect and, and stay on topic forever and do those three things for a student from an educational standpoint, um, from an athletic standpoint, um, from a leadership standpoint. And for me, one of the things that I like to focus on and want to give more attention to that I don't think we're doing enough of as coaches and directors and, and mentors is life after the air goes out of the ball. And, you know, that to me is you did great things. You played at University of Illinois. You, you know, the jersey's hanging in the background. You, you wore that eye proudly. Um, but the work post-football, um, it has defined your life way more than who you were underneath that helmet. And I think that especially for, for our young black brothers and sisters, they need to understand that athletics is, is a vehicle that can get you to that place, but you know, your, your, your life doesn't end when, when you can't uh, play anymore. So I think that that's why, uh, for me, it was a must. I had to get you on here to, to share your story a little bit and, and chop it up. So thanks for coming. Thank you, Justin, man. Thank you for having me. And I, you know, thank you for um, uh, putting together this platform because I think it's important that you know, as we all go through our, our separate journeys, that we're able to share that with other folks, right? Often people keep whatever their story is, whatever their um, their path is to themselves. And, and, you know, as human beings, as vessels, we're, we're not put here to do that. So um, having the platform and Lost your audio, Cam. Can you hear me, Cam? I hear you Yeah, okay, yeah, I lost your audio for a second. Last thing I heard, um, people sharing their stories and, and, and us being vessels. Hey, my man. So where I want to start at is you did something that a lot of people, I think it's, uh, it's almost like what, we were, what we're trained or um, you know, what we are taught by society is that we're supposed to grow and we're supposed to transcend where we're from. And you hear it all the time, kids say, I want to get out the hood. I want to get out. I want to get out of my area. I want to, you know, I want to go to college because uh, I've never been outside of my hometown, and I want to, you know, I, I'm, I'm tired of this place. I want to go away and never come back. I hear it all the time, and you accomplished so much, and you're back. You came back, and you're you're championing where you're from. Um, tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in Chicago. Um, it, it really 
it was the experience that, that has molded me into who you know I I am. That's a person. It was um, you know, I, I, I'm comfortable. Was filled with love. You know, always very motivational, encouraging, inspiring. But also, you know, both very in my home and you know outside my home, there were a bunch of challenges. Challenges with substance abuse and addiction. Challenges with violence, right? You know. Being, being, a, being a, a, a young, young kid, kid who perpetuated on an annual basis was, was, was burying friends and, and, and family members and, and cousins. cousins. You know, all, all of that was very quickly etched in my, into my psyche. psyche. Uh, what what also is true is that, is that you know, this city, city and anybody knows, knows, knows I have a, a tremendous affinity for Chicago. This city really, really made me. Chicago built me and taught me so much about life, taught me so much about people. So, so growing, growing up here, here and, and, and like, like I said, I said the late 80s and, and, and the 90s, um, and I really, really got a chance to understand social economics and how that I got a chance to understand civil rights and, and cultural affairs. A lot of the world is grasping to the documentary that just went on two weeks ago about my Chicago world, right? Like, I live being able, being able to, to, to really, really uh, experience it in the most organic way, way it, it came in a picture, man, for me. And, and, and everything, everything from sports, sports to music to the food, food all, all kind of put a little piece, piece of the puzzle together and, and, and created it. I think that's what I would become as a person. But Chicago, Chicago is me. me. Absolutely. Yeah, and if, if you haven't had any, any heralds in your life, you haven't lived. <laughs> Let them know. <laughs> all right, man. So. You know, it, it shaped you, it molded you, um, it taught you a lot of lessons. You know, how would you say, I mean, you know, navigating through Chicago in, in the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, we're talking, you know, Reaganomics, we're talking, you know, the, the crack epidemic, we're talking, uh, you know, we could go on and on and on with, with what was taking place in, in Chicago, in, in Detroit, D.C., New York City. Um, a lot of kids that come from those type of communities, uh, we, we always talk about the glass ceiling and we say, you know, people, they, they're not able to break through that glass ceiling. And I look at it, I call it the concrete ceiling when you're coming from cities like that, uh, because sometimes you can't even see what's on the other side of that. You know, what would you say, um, number one, kind of what allowed you to transcend beyond, you know, where a lot of your peers fell and didn't make it past that? And what would you say, what role would you say youth athletics played in that? I'll be cutting dry and very clear and concise. Athletics saved me. It saved my life. And it was the only reason uh, that I saw anything more for myself than what I saw, you know, outside uh, the, the window of, of my parents' home. Um, you know, I, we didn't know many professionals, not many, you know, uh, especially not black male uh, doctor, lawyers, um, you know, those folks, that the, the guys you saw in the neighborhood who either looked like they had money or, or dressed like they were, you know, going somewhere where either, you know, preachers or dope dealers, right? And it's like, pick one, which one do you want to be? And, you know, even in, in my neighborhood, there weren't a bunch, a bunch of guys who had played, you know, uh, you know, high school sports and went on to the next level uh, at that point when I was growing up. But, um, you know, there are a few guys that were just a little bit older than me that, that I, I watched, right? And, and they, were, um, they, they were athletes and, and they played everything and they were good at it. Um, and they found a way to leave the neighborhood and, and, and leave 
um, you know, their situations and then and go and better themselves. And so uh, as I watched them, it became very evident to me that that's the path because I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I had no idea what my passion was. I know I knew I was always passionate about people. I knew I always was concerned with um, the next person and, and how to, I guess, comfort the afflicted. But you know, I didn't know what that looked like in, in real life. So uh, what what athletics did for me, man, it gave me something to reach for, and it gave me, um, you know, it, it gave me that that drive and that discipline that I think I needed to to better myself because I was not a student who was interested in school. I wasn't very motivated. I had a bunch of uh, huge difficulties when it came to, um, you know, my, my, my education, but it was because I was uninspired uh, and and the discipline was not there. But the things that I learned, you know, on the football field, on the basketball court, you know, on, on the soccer on the soccer pitch uh, were all things that I w- was able to take and, and put together and, and, you know, realize the life that I wanted to live, you know, number one, but also realize how to, um, take that that life and those skill set and those skill sets and help other people. No, no doubt. And, and you talk about you know helping other people and and that being who you were and, and a piece of your makeup. And and I can I can testify to that because and you know this. We we talk about it all the time. But I'll never forget that day. You know, almost 17 years ago. You know, when I said, Hey, you know what? I don't know if this is working for me, and I don't know if this is. You know, University of Illinois is the place for me. And I, I tell my kids all the time as they're navigating through the recruiting process, you know, it's about finding the right fit. And something can be perfect for one and just not the right situation for another. Um, and you were the one, and, and I'll never forget that night. It was me, you, Big Chuck. Um, and we sat back and we had that conversation. And you said to me, you said, hey, look, man, you're, you're my brother regardless. I'm going to love you. I'm going to support you. But you have to do what's best for you. And, and if it's not... You know, you talk to me about just making sure that I was okay with whatever it was. It couldn't be about, I don't want to let the team down. It couldn't be about, you know, I don't want to go home and look like a failure. It couldn't be about any of that. It had to be about, you know, being the most authentic version of myself. And, you know, it's funny looking back on that in in retrospect and seeing the type of leader you were. We were the same age. It wasn't like you were, you know, uh, a senior talking to a freshman saying, hey, man, you know, this is something you need to do. You know, we were the same age. We came in together and that's who you were. So that's why it doesn't surprise me the way that you're leading and, and motivating and, you know, giving back. Um, so that's something that, that you know, is, has been a part of who you are from the day that I met you. Um, would you say that there was like one person that, that really instilled that in you from a coaching perspective or, you know, from a, 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 an older player that you looked up to, or is it just something that innately was a part of your personality and makeup? Yeah, I, I think that, um, probably my, my, my biggest mentor in the, in, in, in that, that emanates from my participation in sports and athletics, man, was my high school football coach. Um, and I say was, he's still with us and he still is um, very, um, very pivotal in, in, in my life. Um, his name is Lexi Spurlock. And Coach Spurlock, uh, you know, was a guy that grew up on the south side of Chicago in the, in the 1940s. He's around my parents' age. Um, and then uh, moved, you know, kind of did a, a reverse migration, moved to, to Alabama when he was, uh, I think, about nine or 10 years old. And, uh, you know, ended up playing football at Tuskegee. And um, you know, coming back to Chicago uh, post grad school to be a 
physical education teacher in the Chicago public school system. And, you know, it, he was so very in tune with people being in tune with themselves, right? And figuring out what is the thing that makes you you and and then investing into that, right? And, and I remember, as, as you said, when you were trying to figure out what you want to do, and there's always, especially for us athletes, right? There's always this little pesky voice in our head that's like, I can't do this or that because I'm a team player and I'm a teammate and I'll be a bad teammate uh, if I do X, Y, and Z. But I know, Justin, you're like me. You travel a lot, man. When you when you get on that plane, man, and they talk about the safety precautions, they say put your mask on first, right? <laughs> put your mask on first before you help others. And, you know, that's hard for a lot of us serving leaders, selfless folks, you know, team players to, to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think Coach Spurlock was um, – he, he has taught me, he continues to guide me through that on, you know, you, you, can't, you can't help anyone else, you can't save anyone else if you're not being true to who you are, if you're not being true to your passion and being true to, to the things that make you you. Um, and, and he told me a long time ago that, you know, you're always just one bold, radical move away from being the best version of yourself that you possibly can be. Uh, and so I keep that in my mind. I try to share that with others when, when they are you know, contemplating large decisions or, or you know, uh, things that will, will have a long-lasting impact on, on their future. Amen. We all, we all have one or two, right? And, you know, I've got a couple coaches and mentors, and I think that you know, that's something that our community desperately needs. And, and you know, we're, we're going to touch on that in a minute. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things that our community needs. But it's great to hear that you have Coach Spurlock and still have him, you know, still have that guidance and direction. One thing I'll, I'll say, athletics has given me a, um, an extended brotherhood. You know, you know, it doesn't matter if, you know, if, if I played with a guy 30 years ago or 20 years ago or five years ago. Um, you know, the, the ability when I, when I land in Chicago to, to come over to your house and, you know, we, we, it was like, it was like we were, you know, we never stepped away, right? Like everybody came over, we're eating good, we're laughing, we're joking, we're having good conversation. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it's natural. It's, um, you know, it's, it's just something different. And it's, uh, you, you touched on it before you said athletics saved your life. Um, without a doubt, it's done that for me, um, and I've seen it change lives, especially you know the lives of of kids that look like us. And I think that you know finding not only finding something that you're passionate about, but finding the right people to lead and guide and and, and motivate you um, is is a key piece of the puzzle and a key you know piece of growth and development. And I think that you know I'm looking back on it, and almost every major milestone in my life. It has something to do with, with athletics and not necessarily being, okay, it's all about athletics, but somebody I met through athletics, right? Like if it wasn't for football, I would have never met you. And, you know, I look at, you know, the relationship and the friendship and I know that, you know, those are the things that I cherish the most about athletics and the most about, you know, my path and my journey. Um, as you, you talked a little bit about not knowing what you want to do and not knowing, you know, what life was going to look like for you, but athletics kind of giving you that that vehicle um, as you got to University of Illinois, and you know, you know, obviously, you know, that first year, <laughs> you know, we were both we both redshirted, you know, one and eleven. It was a tough year. Um, next year, two and ten. Um, at what point? You know, so two part question. At what point one did you identify that you know what? 
the NFL isn't really going to be that, that end of the day destination for me. I want to be a lawyer. Or I want to do more from that standpoint. That's number one. And number two, how did adversity help to shape uh, and, and you know, the adversity of, of losing on the field? Because I know you come from Morgan Park. You know, su- success is, is part of who you guys are and what you do. Um, talk to me a little bit about you know, those two things. Number one, at what point did you discover, hey, I want to be a lawyer? Um, and, and two, how did that adversity that you encountered while at University of Illinois help to shape and mold you into the man you are today? Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, and I, I'll actually go back to I answer two first and then and kind of segue into one. Um, you know, I, uh, as you said, you know, I came from a, a very um, prestigious high school tradition. You know, I think we probably lost four or five games in, you know, my four years there. Yeah. Yep. Um, we won the state championship every year that I, that I played. Um, we're just used to beating up on people, man. And, um, you know, so being being the best person on the best team, uh, you know, it, it's a very humbling experience to to come to college and realize that there are folks that are bigger and stronger and faster and smarter than you, right? And so you're no longer the best, right? You may have whatever that potential is, but skill set wise, you ain't the best. And then you look at what our record was. So <laughs> you know, you know you, reasonable person can say I went from being the best person on the best team to being one of the worst people on the worst one of the worst teams. Right? <laughs> and that's, that's a that's that's quite a, a hell of a leap. <laughs> and and understanding how to to embrace that, I think is important. And and I tell you what, I learned more those. Uh, those first two years, especially the first year in Champaign, than I had learned in any of my four years at uh, Morgan Park, right? And um, that has been a hallmark of my life, of my life since then. I, I learned and gained so much more from failure than I have success. And, you know, it, it's something that forces you to dig inside of yourself and to figure out, you know, how you want to approach it, right? Because the, the thing, whatever the thing is, it's going to continue to be there. It's going to keep on happening. Unless you then therefore insert yourself into whatever that is, so it was a like I said, it was an extremely humbling experience. And, and I'll say this: you you made a point earlier about um, you know creating friendships and partnerships and lifelong bonds and brotherhood through sports. You know, I, I can I can tell you I think with, with complete confidence that if we played on an, an eleven and one team our freshman year, we would not be as close. Um, with the group of guys that came in with us because something about adversity and it, and it, it breeding loyalty, it breeding um, a familiarity with your brother, because, um, you know, when, when, when you're, when your back's against the wall and, and there's nobody there, but the guy that's next to you that creates those relationships. So I actually appreciate those times. I think they're important for my growth as a person. Um, and then, you know, as far as, not knowing what I want to do and, and figuring out what that looked like. You know, it's funny because I, I said earlier, you know, I'm, I grew up in Chicago in the nineties. So obviously I was a huge basketball fan. Right? I was a huge Michael Jordan fan. And I thought I was, I thought I was going to the NBA. That's, that was my, that was my goal, right? I was going to be a hooper. And, you know, at, at some point in life, you know, I stopped doing this and started doing this. And, and when that happened, it became very clear to me that my path wasn't going to be basketball. And I had never played football until my freshman year in high school. And so I didn't watch it growing up as a, as a kid. You know, I, you know, I was born the year that the Bears last won the Super Bowl. 
you always hear about football in Chicago, but it wasn't something that was part of our, our normal life in my house. We did a lot of basketball and, you know, and my dad was a, you know, was a, a wrestling guy. And so we did a lot of, um, and not like the WWE wrestling, but like collegiate wrestling and, and martial arts, right? So I spent a lot of time doing judo and Aikido and Aiki and, and just football wasn't a thing. So I never, and people think I'm crazy when I say this, I never loved the game, right? And I never um, had an affinity for the game. Some of my friends now who, who didn't play at, at a high level, you know, they want to have long conversations about the game and schemes and all that. I'm like, I don't know. I don't care about that, man, right? I don't know anything about that. Right? I, I put my hand in the dirt, and they told me to go get a quarterback, and I did, and I was good at it. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to keep doing this. But, uh, you know, I think I knew very early on that I wasn't, you know, I didn't have this, these, these, these dreams you know, playing out on the on the next level, and it wasn't something that was just pumping through my blood like that, man. So, um, I uh, I wanted to find ways to use that as a platform. I wanted to find ways to use it as a vehicle, and wanted to find wanted to find ways to help my people um, in whatever way possible. And so, it became very clear to me early on that you know I wanted to go to law school and I wanted to be a lawyer and find ways to use the law to be helpful. You know. Um, Growing up in the city as a kid, a lot of the things that, that I saw on a normal basis are very similar to what we see going on just today, right? Just last night, my district was was burnt um, and, and, and looted and windows smashed uh, in many of the, the commercial corridors because people are pissed about um, the way they've been treated by law enforcement and by the society and by, by the system, right? And so, that wasn't that was the same thing that was occurring 30 years ago 25 years ago and so that is what pushed me to want to uh, you know go ahead on and, and go to law school initially I wanted to be a teacher because my, my mom taught in Chicago public school system for 36 years and she's always been my personal role model my best friend like the, the person who I look at when it comes to public service and my best example of what a good person is and uh, I wanted to, to be a teacher at first, and then I chickened out. I chickened out, and I was trying to figure out what my thing was, and, and, and that's how I ended up you know, in, in that space. But it became very clear to me, just to, to shortly answer your question, I know I'm going in, in circles, but it became very clearly to me, very clear to me very early on that if you want to effectuate change, if you want to help people, um, in the history of our country, the best way to, have to, to do that, and the way that has been done is through legislation and through the law. And, and that's why I kind of, um, you know, clamped onto politics and to the legal profession. So let, let's stay there. Um, and, and there were some things that I want to talk a little bit more about the educational path that you took. But I think that, you know, where the climate of our country is at, um, you touched on, on a lot of key things. And one of the biggest things that I can say is, you know, I see people and all of a sudden they're outraged, right? All of a sudden, you know, they're, they're upset and they're, you know, they're, 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 you know they're, they're speaking out and that's fine. We need everybody to speak out. We need everybody to, uh, to step up to the table. But for you, it, it's been your life's work. Um, you know, what you're saying now isn't just a speech or a spiel because of what's happening around us. Uh, you, you immediately after law school, you were a staffer in D.C. Uh, for Senator Durbin. Um, you 
in post-Katrina New Orleans. You were there to help lower the, the violent crime um, and, and raise the quality of life. And now you're, you're back and, and you're in Chicago um, working for, for your people, uh, working for the, the citizens that you grew up around, the, the, you know, the 13-year-old camps. You know, you're trying to create legislation to make sure that their lives, um, their quality of life is, is better. And you know, with that being said, I'm seeing everything happen, and I'm seeing, like you said, the same stuff you know, that we were talking about back with, with Rodney King, the same stuff that we were talking about. You know, we're, we've been fighting for, for freedom in this country for over 200 years. Um, for, for somebody, so for me, I find faith in knowing that there's people like you um, that are able to work on that legislation. They're able to be representative of you know, what I need in this country, what, what my sons need in this country. Um, but to the everyday person that doesn't know, you know, doesn't, doesn't know a state representative and doesn't know what they look like, right? And never, doesn't know how legislation gets passed, doesn't know, you know, all they, all they have is their anger right now. All they have is, you know, a, a lack of understanding. You know, what do we say to those people to give them faith that, at some point, we're not going to sit here and say, hey, this same thing we were talking about 30 years from now, we're talking about it in 2050. You know, at, at what point do, um, you know, where, where do we find that, that faith? Right? Where do we find, you know, that, that sense of, of change is going to come? Because, you know, I feel like this is the same thing, you know, Martin Luther King was marching for peacefully, you know, in, in his day. Um, and, and that peaceful, those peaceful protests and those marches were met with violence and resistance. Um, and, and we continue to see that, you know, from, from your lens and your perspective, you know, what can you tell the people that are watching um, and the, or the people just in general um, that, that need some faith, need something to cling to? So I think the most important thing, Justin, and thank you for the question because I think it's extremely pivotal. Um, I think the most important thing is that we've got to realize whether you live in Chicago or Detroit or Baltimore or Newark or Miami or LA, um, that the people who are going to save these places are already there. The caravan is not coming. Nobody's coming um, with a cape on to right all the wrongs of the past and to, to fix what's broken about our society. Um, it is it is it is folks like your sons, folks like you know my, my nephews and my godsons, um, who have to be invested in, um, who have to be given the tools to fix their their world. Right? You you talked earlier in, in the first part of this about you know kids like us growing up, you know, and, and being determined to to leave our, our neighborhood, right? To get out the hood. Um, but we've got to create a situation where we are um, emboldening, emboldening people to, um, to, to get out the hood, to go get the skill set they need and come back and fix the hood, right? To, to make sure that they are, um, you know, they have a seat at the table and they're part of the conversation and they're shaping the narrative. Now, I know enough people who are, are super smart and rock star leaders who, who don't really mess with politics or, or, or civic or civic things, right? Because that they don't think that, that they have a place there. But we understand that the only way things get changed in this country, we can't change people's minds or their hearts, right? That's between you know them and their God. 
but what we can do is create a better atmosphere so that your young men don't have to deal with the same thing that we did, right? Or that, or that um, you know, my future daughter does not have to deal with the same situation that, that I do. So it, 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 it's a sense of ownership that we have to highlight. This belongs to all of us. And we all have answers that can be effective in the larger scope of, 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 the, of the problem. You know, we have to, though, like I said, empowering each other, invest in each other. And that's why I think why education is so, is so important. Education does, does not just mean, obviously, school books, right? But it means the, the holistic piece of it. Um, and, and that's why, you know, kind of pivoting back to some of the work that you do, you know, uh, the athletics piece is huge because it's educa also educating the entire person, right? We need people to have the, the equanimity that you get from, you know, losing the game by 50 points, right? You need people to have the, the determination that you get, that you have to um, bolster up by hitting the game winning shot. You need people to have the, um, the self-awareness and awareness of, the, of, your, of your community that a great running back or a great point guard has when he knows what's going on all around him and behind him at the same time. Right? Th those things are important because once again, our, our society, we're, we're able to save ourselves, but we got to stand up and realize that we have all the tools that we need. We just got to go grab them. For sure. For sure. And I think that, you know, it's, I, I can relate and I can understand because I myself have been in situations where you know, I've been detained uh, unlawfully um, and, and wrongly. And I know what that anger feels like. I know what that rage inside of you feels like. Um, but I also, you know, coming from a law enforcement family, um, I understand that, you know, one, one bad police officer or um, a, a group of bad police officers isn't representative of all of law enforcement. Um, and, and, you know, for, for somebody in the position that you're in, and I, I recently, I, I saw, I read the articles, I saw the interviews, uh, you were walking out of, uh, you were shopping, and you were observing social distancing as it was directed to you, as it was directed to all citizens, um, you know, of, of the United States. CDC recommended face coverings, um, you know, gloves, six feet social distancing, and by doing what you were asked to do, you were, you were detained because you were viewed as a threat. If, if somebody who's been elected to, uh, to serve the people of their community is still viewed as a threat because he's a large black man, how do I as a father explain to my sons that if you do everything the right way, if you do what you're supposed to do, there's still a chance that things might not work out for you. Like, how do we, how do we have that conversation? Um, and, and let's go one step beyond my sons because there's coaches all around the country that are trying to figure out how to connect with their student athletes. And this is the worst time for this to be happening. Um, and what I say that, I'm not, you know, I, I, no disrespect to, to anything else that's going on in the world. Uh, but this is the worst time for, for this to be happening when we're distanced from our young men. We're not able to pull them close to us, put our arms around them and say, hey, man, this is the situation. This is what it's going to be like. So how do we virtually through, through the phone, text, whatever, how do we have that conversation to, to help them to understand that, 
you can do everything the right way and still be viewed as wrong just because of the shade of your skin. And how do we teach them to, we don't want them to ever accept it, um, but to understand it and to be able to not give anybody a reason for them to become the next hashtag. Yeah, what you just said was extremely important. It's that balance, right? It's, it's giving them the, the awareness um, that it exists, but not um, accepting it, not letting, them, not letting them think that it's okay, right? Um, it's funny because I, I thought a, a bunch about my situation and a lot of the things that's going on with other folks um, in, in the recent weeks. And, um, you know, it's not okay that, that, that anybody um, has to suffer that just be based on the color of their skin, right? Your, your, your skin color is suspicious, um, but it's our reality. And as I often go back in my head and try to uh, connect life lessons to sport lessons, I remember my, my junior year in, in high school, we were playing uh, in the state playoffs. Uh, it was the second round at a, at a school downstate. And, uh, you know, what I know you know, and maybe some of your viewers know, is that you know, public, league, public league schools in, in Chicago don't usually make it to the state playoffs. Um, and only one has ever won the state championship. There's a bunch of reasons why some of them are socioeconomic. Um, and that's a whole separate episode to itself. <laughs> is what it is. But, um, you know, we, we, were, we were poised to, to do it. Um, we had an amazing team. And um, we realized that we were going to play in a place that was not necessarily friendly. People look like, look like us. Um, playing with referees who um, knew... The, the the guys on the other team uh, and just playing in a very racially hostile environment. And before we uh, took the field, you know, we had our entire game plan with this amazing offense and, and Coach Warlock said, you guys need to know that in order to score uh, uh, six, in order to get six, especially you got to score eight. Uh, and what he was telling us was that they were going to post up back away from us just, just because of um, and while that did not sit well with us, knowing the rules before we went in, uh, you know, we were able to, 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 I think, internalize that and then move accordingly. Unfortunately, that, that's the same way for many of our young men. Um, lost, your, lost your audio, Cam. Lost your audio. How about that? Yep, got you now. Uh, what's the last thing you heard me say? Um, the knowing the rules as, as, as you guys went in. Yeah, um, and, and I think knowing the rules as, as we went in was important because we were able to internalize that and have it in, in the front of our minds and then therefore act accordingly um, and, and, and operate accordingly. I think with our young men, we've got to do the same thing. We've got to let them know, listen, this is the history of this, this country. This is how we got here. This is where we've been. This is where we are now. Um, and in order to keep yourself safe, you need to know these things. And then after that, this is what we require of you. This is how you do your part to fix it, to get us from here to here. So I think it's a very tough conversation. I don't envy, um, you know, uh, black men who have young boys, especially when you have this conversation, but it's something that we have to have. You gotta be honest with me. Lost your audio again. <laughs> now? Gotcha. This is ghetto internet, brother. I don't know what's going on. Hey, Namika Bates gave you that uh, that computer. 
Lord Jesus, Namika. Don't get me started. Um, what's the last thing I said? <laughs> but no, just um, them understanding, understanding how we need them to act um, in order to, you know, for example, you know, Martin carried the baton so far and he handed it off. You know, Brock carried it so far and he's handed it off. You're, you're going to carry it so far. I'm going to carry it so far. We're going to hand it off. We need that next generation ready to take that baton and go further than we ever could have imagined going. Um, and, and you're just preparing them for that moment, preparing them for how to act um, and how to navigate through the world that we live in. And that's, and that's real. I, I, I think you, you, you perfectly painted that picture. Uh, we all have a role to play. I mean, we have to take what was given to us and build upon that. And you know, I know it's cliche, and everybody talks about everybody talks about leaving the world a better place than you found it. That that's important. At the end of the day, is is being able. Your legacy has to be that you did something to move us forward, and that you inspired somebody who came after you to do the same thing. For sure, for sure. And, and you know what I want to say. Um, and you know, we've touched a lot on the. The state of the the, the state of, of our communities, um, and we I'd be remiss if we didn't spend time talking about that with everything going on um, and impacting you know not only you know our student athletes but impacting you know coaches you know their fathers their 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 brothers their sons you know there's so many pe different people affected by it. Um, but the the thing that I want to focus on and I want to touch on and close with is. You know, I see you as a, a beacon of hope, um, a beacon of hope for many different reasons. But, you know, a couple of things you said earlier, you talked about, uh, you know, not being the, the, the best student because you weren't always engaged and challenged, uh, not really knowing exactly what it is you wanted to do, but knowing that you wanted, you, you wanted to change the world, you wanted to help people. Um, and, and taking all of that and utilizing, you know, your, your athletic ability as a vehicle to earn your education to open those doors. Um, I, I see you as a beacon of hope for, for young black men that come from areas like the South Side of Chicago to knowing that there's more to it than professional athletics or, or rapping or selling drugs or, you know, or, or, or. Right. Like you, you touched on not knowing any lawyers growing up. Right. Um, I think that your story is one where they can relate because we're still close enough in age for them to understand versus, you know, sometimes we look at our parents generation and we're like, man, yeah, OK, yeah, that, that's how it was back back in the day. But that doesn't really correlate to right now. Um, but I, I'm just proud of you, man, the fact that you know, you utilized your, your athletic ability to earn your education. You became a lawyer. Um, you did achieve your, your, your original goal of being a teacher. Um, you, you're a college professor. Um, so, so inadvertently, you know, you know another a roundabout way of, of, of achieving that, um, you, you did at teach. A, at a school I couldn't get into if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> was, you, you will see without even looking at my, in my application if I tried. But thank, look, thank God for favor, man. Right, <laughs> right. And, and that's the thing, man. It's like... You know, we, we've, we've been blessed and we've received, um, you, you, you touched on it, you said it best, favor. And I think that the message that I want anybody seeing this to take away um, is that there are no limitations on what you can be. I mean, 
if somebody would have told you at 13 years old, hey, you're going to be a state representative representing uh, the, the, the south side of Chicago, representing the place that you're from, representing, you know, Browns. I mean, would you would you have even taken that serious? Would you have believed it? Probably not, man. Probably not. And that's why I think it's so important and incumbent upon us to be able to, to help uh, young folks, young men and women uh, look at what's possible and figure out what their dream is, right? My, my, my journey may not be like yours, but um, if there's anything that happened with me along the way that I can uh, give you to impart some wisdom or knowledge or some understanding on you, like, let's, let's do that because, um, you know, we, we all play a part in the grander scheme of this. And, and the more we talk, the more we connect, the more that we bounce ideas off, off of each other, and the more that we actually support each other in a real way, not just, you know, the, the kind of the, the top level support, um, the grass tops, but the grassroots, like deep into partnership and building with each other, the better off we'll all be. For sure, for sure. And, and let's close on this. Um, I want you to think back on growing up in, in, in Southside Chicago. And I want you to think back to, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old Cam, um, because those are the people that, you know, ultimately I want to see this and learn from this and, and grow from this. Um, is is the the representative of who we were, you know, at that phase of our lives, at that stage of our lives. If you're thinking back to that 13 year old Cam, what would you tell him if you're looking at him right now? If if, if he's on the other end of this Zoom, still trying to figure out what this life looks like, still trying to figure out, you know, what it is that you know he can do or bring or or impact impart on this world. You know, what's that one piece of advice that you give 13-year-old Cam? Um, well, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a huge one. I think what I would tell him, and I got this later on in life, uh, but I think what I would tell him is that, that he definitely um, has a place in, in our society, that he doesn't have to be a backbencher, a backseater, or marginalized. Um, but with that place comes responsibility. Uh, and the responsibility is incumbent upon him to, to have a vision, to, to be a voice, and to make a difference every single day of his life. Man, that's, that's, that's dope. And I think that, you know, you, man, wow. <laughs> you know, I think we all need to hear that, right? I think the 35-year-old me needs to hear sometimes that I have a place. And, and I think that, you know, we don't do that enough. Um, you know, I, I, I actually... You know, I, was, I was listening, um, Joel Steen was talking last night about, you know, the, the message that we tell ourselves um, and that if we don't believe it and if we're not, you know, we're self-sabotaging ourselves with a lot of the things that we say or we say we can't do something or we're, we're not able to do something, um, you know, versus planting our own seed, like you said, putting our mask on first. So, man, there's so many gems within this that I think uh, a student athlete, well, anybody, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a student athlete, will walk away and not only will they know more about you, um, but you know, they'll also walk away and they'll, they'll hopefully know more about themselves and know more about how to grow into being the best version of themselves. So I, I thank you. I, I can't thank you enough uh, for taking time out of your day. Um, I can't thank you enough for your words of wisdom. I can't thank you enough for being open and sharing you know, your, sto your story and your journey. Um, and the journey's not done yet. 
You know, I, I know it. I, I, I have some, some thoughts and I'll keep them to myself, but I have some thoughts of, you know, where I think that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see you in the years to come. Um, and I'm proud of you, man. I, I'm proud of you. I love you. I appreciate you. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're championing all the things that I love and believe in. So you always have my support. Anything I can do for you, you know, I'm here, brother. Thank you, brother, man. Thank you for everything you're doing. I love you and appreciate you. And I, I'm looking forward to, to what's next. And gratitude. Amen. Amen.